Quest Community Church, living life as friends with faith through knowing God, loving others, and making a difference. I've been the blind man on the road. I've been the boy running back home. I've been the sinner and the saint, and the love of God has never changed. Um, I just wanted to start... Um, by just talking about I've been the blind man on the road. I, uh, about 10 years ago, I started going to silent retreats with Jesuits that would lead them. And one of the most awkward things about being an evangelical kid going to a Jesuit retreat is that uh, Jesuits, they don't, they don't necessarily reach out to you with their preaching. It's, it's, it is definitely not deductive. It's very much inductive and the way in which they approach it is they just let you sort of respond how you want to respond. If you, if you, if, and, and, and they don't really reach out to you. So that's a very, it's a really amazing experience. If you've not experienced it, you should try it because it's, 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 it's quite an experience to sit in a service and realize this person is in no way, shape, or form trying to please me. This is, this is, they're just going to share this with me. And, and if I, if this is helpful to me, well, that's really good. Then that means you must be in this certain space spiritually that this is helpful for you. <laughs> and I remember, the first night of the retreat, this director led us to the story of the blind man Barnabas. And then in this sort of almost comical way, he spoke for about five minutes. And then he said, I think that's about enough for tonight. Which was also an awkward thing. You know what I mean? Because usually, as evangelicals, we take as much time as we have, you know what I mean? This guy has a half an hour and he's just taking five minutes. That was crazy. But this is what he said to us. He said, what I want you to do is I want you to go back to your room tonight and I want you to kneel down by your bed like you did when you were a little kid. And while you're saying your prayers tonight, I want you to imagine that you're the blind man Barnabas and Jesus speaks to you and asks you the question that he asked blind man Barnabas. And the question is, what can I do for you? And if you're writing down notes, just write that, write that question down. What can I do for you? And maybe next to it, just put Jesus. Now, I would have expected that I could answer that question really quick. In fact, even in the moment, I thought, I got, there's all sorts of things Jesus can do for me. But when I got back to the room and I knelt down by my bed, I realized, <clears throat> this is a lot harder to answer than I thought. And when answers are hard to answer, sometimes you'll just find yourself evading answering it. You know what I mean? So what I did with my creative mind is I thought, well, I'm not going to, I started thinking about other things. I started asking Jesus questions. I said, hey, Jesus. And the cool thing about Jesus is the Lord's, too, he, he's so patient with us. He'll just, he'll just, okay, you don't want to answer. I guess, okay, fine. Just, whatever you want to do, I'll walk this journey with you, right? So I asked Jesus a question. Jesus, why did you ask, why did you ask him this? Like, it just didn't make sense to me. This, this guy, Bartimaeus has been, He's been blind since he was born. Isn't it obvious what he needs? This is the most amazing thing about Jesus. Jesus doesn't feel at all the need to answer us. He'll just leave you in right there. He'll just be there, present with you, but he'll be completely silent. I asked him that. Jesus, why did you ask blind man Barnabas 
what you could do for him. I mean, it seems like it'd be obvious. He's blind. He needs sight. And Jesus, in this beautiful way, just sat there in the silence with me and didn't answer me. In fact, the whole next day, I went through the whole retreat, read scriptures, prayed, meditated, used my imagination, and the Lord, all day long, never answered that question. And then in the most unpredictable way, at the most unpredictable time, which is often the way Jesus will respond to our questions, Jesus answers me. It wasn't until about 3.30 the next morning. So it's like, I ask him that night, and then I go through a morning, and then I go through a whole day, and then I go through the next night, and then I wake up at 3.30 the next morning, you see. And it's like a whisper in the wind. This, that's, that's actually quite hilarious, actually, the way that Jesus answers. It's like, not only am I not going to answer you immediately, I'm, gonna let, I'm just going to wait with you in the midst of this question. And, and we're just going to sit together in this for a day. And, and, and then when I do answer you, I'm going to make it, I'm going to answer you in a moment and at a time that's unpredictable and you least expect it. And I'm going to be totally cool if you don't get up for the answer. Like I'm going to answer you in the middle of the night where you're sort of half sleeping, half awake. And you can choose to go back to sleep or you can choose to come toward the answer. That's also just like Jesus. So here I am. I'm, I'm half asleep, half awake, and I hear this whisper. I, I ask blind man Barnabas what I can do for him, and I'm asking you what I can do for you, Jason, because I don't want to just fix humanity. I want to know you. That's why I ask. And, well, there was no and. That was it in the whisper at the moment. I don't want to just fix you. I want to know you. That's why. In fact, I'll even go so far as to say it wasn't that's why. It was, I don't want to just fix you. I want to know you. Simple. I get up, I write it in my journal or I would have forgotten it. This is the beauty of Jesus. He'll allow you to forget his words if you want to. Not get up for them. He'll answer you when you least expect it. The kingdom comes like that. And I got up and I wrote it down. I don't want to just fix you. I want to know you. And then later on started to realize, and I, I, wanted, I want to know if you know you. Do you know what you need from me? Have you even asked that question? What do I need from Jesus? What can Jesus do from me? I want you to ask yourself that question this morning. Just allow the Holy Spirit in your imagination. Just use lots of close your eyes for a second. And just don't fall asleep, <laughs> but just close your eyes and just imagine Jesus is, is with you because Jesus is with you. And allow Jesus to ask you that in your life. What can I do for you? And now I just want you to hear Jesus say to you. Because that's going to be a journey for you to answer that question. But I do want you just to receive this. Jesus says over you. 
I don't want to just fix you. I don't want to just tell you what I want to fix about you. I want to know you. Can you just receive that from the Lord? That the Lord says over you this morning. I want to know you. I really want to know you. Thank you, Jesus. I've been the boy running back home. I I remember um, early on when I when I finished seminary, I'd been really transformed by the Psalms. Psalms and study of the Psalms really started to transform the way that I worshipped and expressed myself. Um, because the, the Psalms take you on journeys. And, um, you know, our culture is very much about the answer. So a lot of what we sing in church is, it's not necessarily journey. You know what I mean? And And I even get that when I come with my family to church. I don't necessarily want to go like this. But... The life of the Psalms is much more like this than it is like this. And the gods of our culture, our worship expression, right? In fact, any culture you go to in the world, if you were to travel with me a bit, you'd see any culture you go with me in the world, you'll see that, that the way the church worships most of the time coincides with the cultural ideals. So if you're in upward mobility culture, the way we worship is, woo, you know, you know, I, I, we get to the place almost in our narcissistic culture of America where I could have changed those words from you are all I really want, which is very different than give me everything I want. Or you give me everything I want. <laughs> you give me everything I want. That's about where we're at in American culture. And, 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 and it's kind of funny, but in, 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 in another sense, it's a little bit tragic. But wherever our cultural bent is, that's, that's sort of... And so, so the goal of worship with God is not... Uh, it's not necessarily to perfect our expression. It's, it's, to, it's, it's, it's to perfect the activity of our worship that... That, that whatever we're expressing, we're actually living. So for me, it, it, I've always felt from the Lord, don't teach people how to worship like you worship. Worship me. And then, and then teach people that my hand is real. That I want to take their hand, that I want to walk with them in their daily life, in their home, with their family, that I take their words literally when they sing to me, that they trust me with everything that's in them. I take it literally. I want to walk with, with them. So I, I'm on my way to uh, minister at a conference, and the conference leader says, um, I get to the, to, to picked up at the airport with my friend, and uh, the conference leader says, hey, he was such a sweet person. He says, hey, would you mind tomorrow, would you mind just talking about spontaneity in worship tomorrow? So I said, I mean, he was such a nice guy. I said, sure. Sure, I'll talk about spontaneity in worship. I just answered really quick. And then after I answered, I realized, oh my goodness, I don't have any messages about spontaneity and worship. <laughs> you know, what am I going to tell these people? And as I started to think about it, I thought, how lame is it going to be to talk to people about creating a form of spontaneity? And so, but I said yes to the guy and, 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 and I kind of knew what was going on too. This guy wanted me to take the hit for something he wanted expressed to that particular congregation. So 
I thought, oh man, Lord, you got to help me. Give me something, Lord, that is true. I don't want just a form because there's no truth in that. I don't want just some sort of idea. I, I want something that really we can latch on to. Why is spontaneity, why is it important to understand it? What's its place in worship? What's its place in our life with the Lord? What's its place in our relationships with each other? What, what is spontaneity, God? Now, I've already told you that Jesus is very unpredictable. And mercy gifts are always quite unpredictable. They come when you least expect it. It's like you ask Jesus a question. At 3.30, a couple mornings later, you'll get the answer. And if you want to get up for it, you can. To, to be alert to the kingdom is something you have to discipline yourself to be really alert for. Have you ever thought about the, the story of the virgins, remember? I always thought growing up, you know, because I heard it so many times, that, you know, beware because when Jesus comes, make sure that you're awake for him when, he's, when he comes, right? This idea. Now, I'm sure that that might be a good interpretation of that scripture, but I've come to know he's ever coming. He's ever coming. Eternity is now or it's never. And Jesus is ever coming to your life. And and what does that mean? That means that, yeah, that might be the case when Jesus finally comes and returns and all that stuff, depending on what you're, where you're at on all of that stuff. But this is what I know about eternity now and experience with Jesus. Jesus is ever coming and it's always when I least expect it. And so the discipline that's required of followers of Jesus is that we're awake to the unpredictable mercy of God. Mercy's always unpredictable. It comes the way we least predict it to come. The answers come from God. His presence comes. You know, here you're, you're thinking it's going to be an old guy and that's a young guy. Then all of a sudden, you, you, you know, it's a four-year-old. And then you think it's going to be a four-year-old and then it's an old guy. You get what I'm saying when I say that? Are you following me? That's the way the kingdom comes. And it always is the way we least expect it. Even Jesus came to his own and they didn't accept him. If they would, if they would have known, right? If there was a, this is what we want from God. We want him to every month put some, that's how we do it if we were, you know, if God was American. We'd just put some big fireworks in the sky and he'd say, I'm God. And then we'd all act right for like 30 days, right? You know what I mean? And then, and then, and my kingdom's real. And then we'd all say, yes, your kingdom's real. You know, I remember when I was a boy growing up, I, we would pray in our youth group. Oh God, now this is going to be funny to some of you, you know, because some of you don't even know who John Bon Jovi is. But we'd pray, oh Jesus, save John Bon Jovi. Because, because if you'd save John Bon Jovi, well, then he'd go to all those people and everybody in the world be saved because he's awesome. Right? Not realizing that I was, I was praying for the destruction of the poor guy's career. That's not how Jesus saves the world. He saves the world through unpredictable means. In unpredictable ways. He allows us to reject Him even while He's saving us. Isn't that crazy? But that's God. It's always unpredictable. So I say to the Lord, Lord, give me a verse on spontaneity. Why is it important in our worship? Because, you guys, I've been to enough churches that think that they're being spontaneous and they're only just being in a form. And what you want for your church isn't to be a spontaneous people so that you create a form of a spontaneity and then all of a sudden you don't do the ritualistic things that can be very healthy and a good discipline for your spiritual life, right? So it would be very good for you to go through. Discipline is an important part of spirituality, but spontaneity is a reality in it. And unpredictability is a reality. Thomas Merton, he was a very disciplined guy, Said it this way, if you try to make a world, I mean, you know, like today, like the idea of universalism, right, is a big thing on the thing. And Calvinism, universalism kind of pit up against each other. 
And I, I, I don't really speak to any of that, but I was asking the Lord, Lord, give me somebody that has a clear mind on this subject. I, I ran into Thomas Burton. You know what he says on it? He says, he says, he says, well, they're both the same. I said, what? Oh, yeah. A Calvinist and a Universalist, they're exactly the same. Really? How are they the same? Well, because they're trying to both make life predictable. They want to make everything predictable, everything consistent. They want to control everything. It's either election or it's everybody's saved. It's all the same. It's just trying to make everything consistent. And this is what Thomas Merton says. He says, but a world that you make consistent, that you control every little thing and you even control God is a world where God doesn't live. Some of us really, we'd even, if we, if we could, we'd make heaven consistent. It's like, oh, it's going to be 70 and sunny all the time and just beautiful. I mean, us Midwesterners, you know, with the snow and all the bad weather, it's like, woohoo, that sounds like heaven to me. It's like Jim Gaffigan says, you know, almost heaven, West Virginia. He says, are you telling me that if I, if I, if I for the rest of my life, I'm good and do everything I know I'm supposed to do, I'm going to get somewhere that's just a little better than West Virginia? You know, this is funny stuff, right? But heaven, it's not ever going to have... Guys, It's what's our prediction? It's, when you think about your prediction, just think a little wilder. Like like my daughter one day, she says to me, Hey, Dad, you know, I, I heard in Sunday school this week that when we get to heaven, we're going to have mansions. I said, that's awesome. I said, so, Emma, what do you think your mansion's going to look like? She said, she starts describing her mansion. And her description of her mansion was just like her rich friend's house. And I I started thinking, I was like, and I had just watched a Ken Burns documentary. Anybody ever heard of Ken Burns? You should watch his documentary. This is one called The National Parks that he did. It's unbelievable. The cinematography and the, and the views that you get. And we had watched it with the kids. And, and, and unbelievable imagery. And, and, and even poetry from John Muir and those guys. And it, it, the first one in particular, the first little series, is so good for kids to watch. I said to Emma, I said, remember that video we were watching the other day about the national parks? She said, yeah. I said, remember the beauty that we saw? Like the mountains and, 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 and the forests and those big, huge redwoods? She said, yeah. Yes, I remember. And I said, I said what if your mansion's going to look something like that? Like, what if instead of like your friend, her house, that like people made, Emma, like, what if, what if, and all I had to say was this, guys. All I had to say was this to my daughter, Emma. What if you have, remember those waterfalls we saw? Like, what if you had this waterfall? Because we saw these waterfalls that literally you could like slide down like a slide. What if, what if you had like a slide that came from your bedroom and you slid down this water slide into the gardens and then you got to pick fruit for breakfast? That's all that she needed. All of a sudden, her imagination started exploding. She was like, yeah, Dad, and then what if, and what if, and what if, and what if, and what if? And we went on with all sorts of what ifs. Just because what? Her eyes were open to something just a little wilder. Not the predictable man-made things that we can kind of create but oh, what would God create? How would God create your mansion, Emma? I mean, you know, I don't, I don't know if we're going to have, all of us are going to have little white houses in heaven, but I'm, I'm just, you get the point. But she did. And so we had that discussion, right? Spontaneity, unpredictable mercy of God, how the gifts of God come to us. So I, I, I wake up the next morning at five in the morning and the only passage that comes to me, now I know enough about the Lord that when I ask him something, he's going to answer it, just might not be in a predictable way. So the only thing that comes to my mind is the story of the prodigal son. 
So I'm thinking to myself, hmm, prodigal son. But, but, but I've been in this journey enough with Jesus to know there's probably something in there. And I've read it so many times and heard so many sermons on it. And nothing about it on the surface at all seems to in any way speak about spontaneity. But it's five in the morning and I'm speaking at nine now because I've committed myself to talking about spontaneity. So I better come up with something. I get up and I start reading the story of the prodigal son and I read it once and I read it twice. I read it three times and I've got nothing. Nothing. I got all sorts of neat things in the story of the prodigal son, but nothing about it sparks anything as far as helping me understand why spontaneity is important. I go through it four or five times, six times. Now I got to take a shower because I got to get ready for this meeting. And seven or eight times or nine times, ten times. Now they're picking me up. Eleven, twelve times through, I still don't have anything. Now I think maybe I've missed the Lord. (laughs) Totally. I'm going to have to preach something completely different. And then I'm, I'm sitting in the back room, ready to go on, and I read it again. And I don't know if you've ever had this happen when you read the scripture, but have you ever had, it's like your life allows you to see the scriptures that you've read for the very first time, your life experience. You come back to a scripture you've read so many times or heard so many times and all of a sudden because your life experience is at a different place it illuminates what's always been right in front of you just like we were singing in that song illuminate what's right in front of me once i saw it it was like it had always been there and i just couldn't see it but it just sort of came out about the 15th time reading through it Jesus lets us in on the story of the boy preparing his statements. Why? He's preparing his statements because he's predicting what's going to be his expected response from the father. Right? He begins to prepare his statements for his father. But what happens? What happens is mercy happens. That's what happens. And how does it happen? It happens in an unpredictable way. The son predicts what? This is how my father's going to respond. So therefore, I'm going to have this particular thing prepared for him. And this is what I'm going to say to my father. But when his father sees him a long way off, what happens? A spontaneous, unpredictable moment happens. And the father responds completely opposite the way that the son thought his father would respond. And he doesn't even get to get out of his mouth what he prepared to say until after the spontaneous, unpredictable response happens. And then later he gets to say it, but if you read it, it's almost like it doesn't matter anymore. Why? Because my son has come home Totally unpredictable. I'm, not only am I not angry at you and, and you're not going to have to just go work at the lowest level. No, no, no. I'm going to treat you exactly the same as your other brother. I'm going to treat you almost seemingly better than the others. Completely unpredictable. And that's when the Holy Spirit just spoke to me and said, Jason... That's why spontaneity is important. Why? Because it's not a form. If you make it a form, you take the mystery out of it. If you make it a form, you've created a world of consistency. That's why I can go to churches and it's like, guys, seriously, calm down and listen for a second. You guys just scream the whole time. And then I'll go to another place and they'll be like, really good listeners. And you're like, Guys, could you like spice it up a little? (laughs) I was in the middle of a song last week in Brazil and in the middle of the song, 5,000 people just start going, 
I mean, they just ignore everything that we're doing. They're just there going, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. People are playing their own instruments. It's just crazy. But now I'm in Ohio, right? <laughs> Nobody's ever going to scream here. You know what I mean? Don't worry about it, brother. It's going to be fine. Oh, it's, just, it's awesome. I live in Milwaukee. It's the same thing. We're, we're more snow. We're thinking about it. <laughs> we had to plow a lot of snow this morning, so we're just going to relax. But. Spontaneity is not a form, it's the reality of every living relationship. I said it, I said it this morning, but it's like, you know, if you want to grid your Valentine's date night, grid it. You know what I mean? Clock in. It's just, if you want to see the response of the Lord in your life, you know, I mean, there's, there's, one of two major ways that God shows us how we're doing in our relationship with Him in the Bible. How I'm doing in my relationship with my wife. I mean, there's the children thing too and all of that, right? And our neighbor. But wife is brought up. Spouse, that relationship is the most brought up thing. So you want, hey, we're going to church. Chick. Doing my hour. I mean, in Milwaukee, I don't know how it is here, but they're so used to that kind of lifestyle. I check in for my work appointment. And church is sort of the same gig. It's like, I'm, I did my time, did my hour. I mean, even some people in my community where I'm from, they'll say those words. Did you do your, I'll hear them at the workout place. Did you do your time this morning? That means, did you go have communion at the local Catholic church? And did you do your thing? Did you do your confession? Did you do your time? It's like, Yep, checked in, check, did it. Try that for your, you know, February 14th get together with your wife. And maybe just say it because God knows what you're doing. It's like, I'm just checking in. (laughs) Check. It just doesn't work, you see. And it doesn't work for our relationship with God. Spontaneity, I mean, you don't have to, how many guys, and, and, and I know there's children here, so I'll, I'll say this as best I can. But I, I, how many of you guys have ever been as foolish as me and bought flowers for your wife expecting a particular response? Nobody. Well, <laughs> okay. These guys are smarter than I thought. <laughs> they don't even raise their hand. <laughs> no, buddy. You're the idiot that's saying that. No, no. See, see, this is the reality, guys, is that if you expect a certain response, don't even buy the flowers. There's an expected response. It just doesn't work. And, and, you, and, and it also isn't any more amazing as... Check bought you flowers on this particular date. Try sometime just spontaneously buying her flowers and she doesn't even expect it. It's it's unbelievable how locked in and gridded we get. And it isn't actually like rocket science. It's just we don't we don't in our personal relationships want it to be, you know, you know, father and son. Merry Christmas, Dad. Love you. Good to see you again. I mean, this is not the way we, we act. But sometimes in our relationship with God, we do act this way. It's like we're ch- checking in. And, and spontaneity is the reality of every living relationship. So if we're worshiping a dead God, then just prepare and check in. But if we're worshiping a living God, be prepared that that living God may spontaneously react or respond to you in a way that you least expect it. And also be aware that spontaneity is the reality of every living relationship that's in here. 
So I can't predict, pastor can't predict every Sunday how you'll respond to the message. It's unpredictable. And mercy is unpredictable. I don't know how many times I've been speaking and I, 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 I feel like, um, you know, a great analogy is, is, is I remember the first time I was playing on Keith Green. This guy used to play, some of you younger people don't know, probably know him, but some of you older people will. And Melody wanted me to come and just play on his piano. So I went and played on his piano. And I was just asking his wife about him. And she said, you know what's the craziest thing about Keith is that we would do, he would do worship services and it was always the worship services that he would be kicking himself later saying, oh, I totally messed that up. Oh, I can't believe I said that. Why did I do that? It was always those moments that he'd be back so frustrated with himself that I'd walk back and say, nobody can even move out there, Keith. They're just sitting in the presence of the Lord, totally being transformed by his presence. God totally met them exactly where they were tonight. And he'd be frustrated. It was horrible. And then she'd say, and every time, some other time, because he's a bit of an emotional guy, some other time, he'd be like, that was amazing. Wow, it was so good. And she said, and almost every time, she'd say to him, it was, it was, it's always good, Keith, but it wasn't nearly as good as a couple weeks ago when you thought it was horrible. That's the thing about even sharing our lives with each other. Speaking, sharing. If you do enough of it, you start to realize the thing that you think is going to transform or touch somebody's life. Even when you're out on the streets. Have you ever, you know, when I was in school, they used to send us out on these, go out and evangelize. And then they'd give us these little cue cards. It used to be like the four laws or something, you know what I mean? And you'd put them in your pocket. But the, the, the problem with that is you'd get to the coffee shop and you'd be talking to somebody about Jesus and then they'd start swearing and yelling at you and then you were like, ah! and you don't even know how to respond because it's not on the card. <laughs> right? This is life of the kingdom is that spontaneity is a reality and mercy is always unpredictable. So how does it relate to our worship? Um, lastly, and I know I'm out of time. I just want to just tell you just one quick little story about this and why it's important. Um, last year, it was in March, I had the opportunity. Uh, my father had come into town and many times when, if I'm going to travel on a large trip, um, you know, from, you know, five days or so, my, my parents will come into town and hang with my wife and kids and my parents have retired. They're good Midwesterners. I don't know if you guys do this here in Ohio, but in Minnesota, where they're from, you, you retire like three or four times, you know? And so my parents have both retired three or four times, both of them. And, and, and my dad, the first time he retired was when he was 65, and he realized, I've got to uh, do something with my time. So when he was 65, he's a very disciplined guy, he... Um, he decided, I want to, I want to, I want to learn to be an amazing electric guitar player. So he bought this whole rig and he has this electric guitar. And 65, he started practicing two hours a day, six days a week. He practices that guitar and he never misses a minute. It's just the way he is. And I knew he was going to become a great guitar player, but because he's just that kind of a person. And so he's been at it for four years now. Now he's actually asked, he's one of their top guys. They ask at his church. He leads on the worship team. He plays the electric guitar on the worship team. He's, it's amazing. Now, my whole life, he never was much into music. I'm adopted, so my parents don't necessarily have my gift mix, you know. So my parents are very A to B type people, which was an amazing way to be brought up as an artistic sort of bent, you know. And... My dad, you know, he's just methodical about things. And he's a very kind man, but he's not somebody that's just going to spontaneously erupt with emotion. You know? So he'd been practicing quite a bit. And he would tell me, every time we were together, he'd tell me all these new things that he was learning. And so back in March, um, you know, one other thing is when I was a little boy... 
just to, to give context to this, when I was a little boy, my this was before they had car seats and such for some of you kids. It's, it's, it's like you could sit in the front seat. I mean, kids died all the time, but you, 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 but it was great while, while you were riding, you know what I mean? And you could sit wherever you wanted, and you could hold your dad's hand, and you could sing. And, and I remember as a kid, we'd sing songs, because I loved to sing. I loved to sing when we went fishing, to the point that my brother would be like, can you tell that kid to be quiet? Because I would scare all the fish away singing all these songs, and... But fishing was a bit boring to me because they would just, in Minnesota, they just plop the bobber in and then it's like peaceful to men to just sit there and they don't even have to catch anything. They just sit there with the bobber. And so, it, it, you know, I learned later about athletic, more fishing, you know, like where you actually go out to catch things, you know what I mean? It's more, but, 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 but that kind of fishing to me was like, what are we doing? We're just sitting, looking. So I would be like, this is boring. And I'd go sit up on the bow and sing. And my dad and I would sit in the car and I'd even, I'd tell him my dreams, guys. I mean, and I had ridiculous dreams. Things that have never come to pass. But it was just, I was such a dreamer. I'd be like, Dad, I want to do this. And I want to do this. And I'm going to do this. And I want to do this. And my dad would never say to me yes or no. He would always say, that's possible. He'd be just driving, you know, just casual. But he'd always say that. That's possible. He'd always say that to me. That's possible. It's, what a great thing to say to a kid that's just a dreamer. You know what I mean? It's like, that's possible. In fact, as a kid growing up, I realized that that sort of, that sort of topsoil over me was so good. It, it, it's so much better topsoil. You know, in Psalm, you know, Isaiah 61 talks about that, you know. And I've placed on you garments and robes. And he, and he likens it to soil on top of ground that it actually springs up, right? The, 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 the flowers. If, if you want to create an environment here where, 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 where nothing ever springs up, just put topsoil on it of no. Or even, yes, but it's really locked in. Yes, so that everything is, if I'm that way, then yes. And if I'm some other sort of way, which could be so many things that could even transform culture, no. But possible. See, that kind of environment, it, it, it breeds creativity in your thinking and it opens up your horizon. When I was growing up, you didn't ever have a thought of, I'm just going to go work for the man. You had this thought of, wow. My friends all were like, I'm going to start a business of like, uh, I remember one of my friends, he was going to start a business of, 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 of soap dispensers, which hadn't even been created yet. He was going to create soap dispensers. He wanted soap that you could actually play music through. Now, I'm in high school. This is back in like the, the mid, the early 90s, late 80s. And this kid is saying, wouldn't it be cool if you had soap where you played music through it? Sean Farrell, he just created it in Minnesota. He's got this patent on this soap that now you hook it up to, and soap and, 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 and water dispensers are going to be made by Kohler. And, and, and what it is, 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 is you hook it up to your iPad or your iPod and all of a sudden, iTunes music, you can pick your music playlist and it's playing through your soap or your soap. Or you can have music that's selected for your kids so that when they are, are push the soap dispenser and they wash their hands like they're supposed to a few times a day, they get their own music that they put in. How awesome is that? This kid just comes up with this idea. I'm like, wow, that's crazy. What am I going to say? It's possible. What kind of seed are you putting on people? And when you come to church, is there just one way to worship or are more things possible? See, and this is, and I'm way over time, but this is, this is the point. My dad is sitting next to me now in his, in the passenger seat. He comes to visit and I'm sitting in the driver's seat. And now we're driving. And my dad starts telling me all of his things he's learning on the guitar. And I'm Mr. Spontaneity, right? All of a sudden, my dad just spontaneously erupts. And he says, hey, I 
should come out and play with you sometime. On the road. I could be your guitar player. And I, 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 he lives in Minnesota. I live in Milwaukee. It wasn't that I don't want my dad to come on the road and play guitar with me. It was just him saying that. Well, that's just not like him anyway. So that was shocking enough. Now, I didn't say it's possible. It takes discipline to say it's possible. He disciplined himself to say, okay, how can I respond truthfully to my son who erratically kind of says all these crazy things all the time? He disciplined himself to say it's possible. I didn't have that. I didn't, I didn't, I, I wasn't fortunate enough to have that much forethought. I just responded naturally to, hey, how about I come out and play with you on the road someday? And I thought, how would that, how would that work? This is what I'm thinking in my head. I'm like, I wonder how good he is, number one. And like, well, you know, well, we could just try it. I mean, I'm just thinking in my head. It wasn't that I wouldn't want my dad. It'd be an honor to have my dad come out and play the guitar with me. It was just more of like, uh, and I'm driving, but this is the deal, guys. And I, I only had about seven seconds, and I'm not speaking about whether he's going to come out with me or not. He's going to come out with me. But I just had about seven seconds where there was this open window, and you could feel it in the room, where my in the car. My dad in the space, you could feel it. Have you ever felt this with somebody? Somebody that you least expect to open their heart up and say something, and just, boom, it just bursts out of them, and they say it. And my dad... Says it, and then in about seven seconds, while I'm thinking, he puts his hand on my shoulder, and in a very Minnesota nice, kind way, what does he do? He closes the door. This is what he does, and this is how he closes it. But no pressure, he says. No pressure, Jay. I didn't put any pressure on you. I was just saying, hey, it'd be fun. Maybe I could come play the guitar with you. And I responded back. And this is a really important lesson in the kingdom, guys. I responded back to my dad. Oh, dad, I'd love to have you come play with me. I was just thinking. My dad said, oh, yeah, I know, I know. Yeah, great. That'd be awesome. Let's do it. But it was different. The yes was different than that seven seconds of space. There was this seven seconds of space that I just wasn't prepared for. I wasn't disciplined enough to go possible even I, I wasn't I just there was seven seconds he opened his heart to me something that I long so much to have with my dad he opens his heart up to me he expresses a dream it's just a dream he's just dreaming wouldn't that be great and I didn't know how to respond in the moment and then what happened that moment was gone now, this isn't something to be condemned about or convicted about. It's just, a, it's just a lesson. So the next day, my dad brings me to the airport. I'm dropped off. I get in the car. I look out the window while I'm, I'm taxiing out on the runway, out to the runway. And all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit brings, and maybe you've had this experience with your children or your family or something where you've missed a moment. But somehow I knew I had missed a moment there. And... And even though I love my dad and I told him I'd love it that he'd come out, there was something else that was going on that I knew the Holy Spirit was, there was something there that I needed to investigate. The Holy Spirit just comes on me and says, brings me back and starts to play back and rewind number one, rewind the tape of me being a kid in the car and him always saying it's possible. And number two, starts to rewind the tape on me of my dad sharing that with me. Hey, what if I came and play the guitar with you. And then the Holy Spirit just sort of rang out and said, your dad was sharing his dreams with you. And it was so simple and so sweet and so kind that that's all it took for me to just burst into tears. And I just start crying now. I'm sitting next to the business guy, you know what I mean? It's, it's just weird all, all together, you know. And he's kind of feeling uncomfortable and you could feel, you know. But I just start crying, you know. So I get off the plane and I call my dad and the more, and maybe you've had this happen, the more I call my dad and talk to him about it, the more I realize he feels uncomfortable talking about this. He would really rather I leave it alone. So now I've called him a second, I've, I've talked to him about it two times now and now I realize, oh man, my dad doesn't want to talk about this. <laughs> so I get off the phone 
And and because my dad's just like, oh, it's fine, Jay. I didn't even think anything of it. Just leave it alone. It's no big deal, Jay. Seriously. I get off the phone and the Holy Spirit says to me, Jay, it's not about whether your dad plays with you. It's about how my kingdom comes to you. It's like that. It's like that. It's like seven seconds. It's like that. You have to, you have to discipline yourself to the unpredictable way in which my mercy comes to you. You have to discipline yourself to know that there are... Is this you? Is this, are you the stranger or the friend? You see, this is important. Can I pray for you for that? And then we'll be done. Thank you, Jesus, that you are always coming to us, that you never leave us, that you aren't the one that walks away and you leave us with a book. You are present to us. You're resurrected and you're living. And you live in our home and you live in, on the streets where we live and, you, and you're with us at our workplaces and you're, and you're with us when we commune together. And Lord, sometimes we cry out and cry out and cry out for you to come and speak to us. And then sometimes you speak to us in a way that's maybe radically opposed to the way we thought you'd speak to us. And we don't know how to receive you. Maybe you answer us in ways that are unpredictable. But this we do know. You are ever coming. And without condemnation. But with conviction. Because we long to love you, Lord. Because we've been loved by you. Lord, train us this next year to... Respond well to those seven seconds, to those moments where your kingdom comes in such a pure and real way and train our minds to to take hold of those moments, to receive those moments, to get all that can be gotten out of those moments. I pray for this and I pray for your people here. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for letting me. I, I went over 15 minutes, so sorry, guys, but thank you. God bless you. If you came today and would uh, had, a, had something you want to be prayed for about, we'd be happy to do it. We'll have some prayer people in the back and up front here. Otherwise, let's just go this week, and let's expect God to show up. Expect Him to show up. He is real. He will show up. Let's look for him. Thank you for listening. Join us at Quest as we walk with one another in friendship while discovering the reality and goodness of God together. For more information and service times, visit us online at gotoquest.org.